Running Sentences presents The Madhouse Job, Part 5, Fighting to Escape. When confronted in his dreams by his nightmares, Jasper finds he must fight his way out of his dreams if he hopes to wake up. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and incidences within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any similarities to real businesses, events, names, characters, places, and etc. is purely coincidental. Copyright 2021, Michael Honore. All rights reserved. Degar had come to a stop directly in front of Jasper, with the big blade resting ever so gently against his throat. The blade, of course, had some pressure behind it as well which made Jasper do his best to not breathe heavily. The cool basement that was around them did little to cool Jasper, who was starting to feel extremely warm due to the blade. This isn't evidence, it's a threat. Yes, this is a threat to your life and your dream. You die here, you die in the real world. So what you need to do is believe me when I say things are complicated, and that this is evidence. Is this what you meant when you said you killed my family but you didn't? Yes, sort of. Anyway, I need you to look at the mirror once again. Why? You die or you go through the mirror to this other place that has captured holly spruce and threatens to eat much of our world. The knife pressed a little deeper into his neck, to which Jasper stepped back and found that the blade was following him very closely. He stepped further and further back, expecting there to be a wall, but there wasn't, and then the blade stopped. It took him a second to realize that he'd backed into the mirror and somehow stepped through it. The stark cold basement on this side had a mirror with a line crossing it, but that was shortly taken away and he realized that it was this large blade that Degar had been holding. He stepped forward to try and step back through, but found that there was now glass in his way. Both Edgar Port and Degar Port looked on with terrible smiles from the other side. Let me back across. What's that? You want to come back? Oh, well, you'll have to figure it out all on your own. Goodbye. The muffled voice of his uncle Port was not comforting to hear, especially since both he and the man who looked like him disappeared from view after that. Jasper felt his fist balling up at his side and pulled it back so he could throw it at the mirror, but then stopped himself, fearing that this might be his only way back and damaging the mirror would cause him to be stuck here. Instead, he dropped the fist and turned around. The only thing in this basement was the staircase upward and so he headed up to see what was here. Jasper found himself in a dark, empty room as he stepped into the area that was that he knew as his family's living room. It, too, was empty of any furniture or amenities. He moved on, since there was little to look at or keep him here, and he reached to the front door and realized that he still had the folder in his hand. Not that it would do him much good, this was all a dream, and he probably was just seeing what he wanted to see. However, the door was thrown open, and he looked up startled. You're Jasper, right? Opened and shut his mouth, unsure if he should implicate himself in whatever was going on. 
Oh, well, doesn't matter. They'll be happy with anyone. With that, the strange man steps forward and grabbed him and propelled him out of the front door. He found himself being pulled out of the house and hurried towards a waiting van in the driveway. Jasper wrestled himself from the man's grasp and stood back, raising both fists and dropping the folder so that he could defend himself from what was to come. Tell me who you are and what I, what, how do you know who I am? The name's Braun Nikolai, detective investigating missing people on Hewitt Island. Hewitt Island? The place with the abandoned mental hospital. You, there is an investigation going on, and people keep mentioning the name Jasper Hughes, and that you'd be at this location. So come with me so that I can find out what you know. Well, I can tell you right now, I don't know anything. Nikolai rolled his eyes and then pushed aside the dress jacket he was wearing to reveal the holstered pistol that was out in a flash. The gun soon pointed firmly at Jasper. Get in the van. Not wanting to die or have any bullet holes put into him, Jasper held up his hands in surrender and walked over to the van, forgetting the folder on the now grassy lawn. He was pushed into the back of the van with the door slamming shut quickly behind him. This back of the van was in rough shape, with rust hanging out on the sides of the interior, which was all just plain bare metal. There was, though, bench seats, which, which were a little better than having to sit on the metal floor, and they were made of fake leather that was now cracked with several spots missing entirely from it. Jasper found himself slipping and sliding in the back seat, trying to hold on as the van took off and began traveling through the twisted New England back roads in the middle of this night. Having been roughly driven through the night with little chance for sleep, Jasper found himself stumbling out of the van into the early morning sun when it finally came to a nice gentle stop in front of a police station in a police station parking lot. He found himself next to this man who, who claimed to be Braun Nikolai, who he could now clearly see. A stocky person with more muscle than anything else. He clearly did not fit in with the typical police look. Nikolai had once again grabbed his arm and was directing him towards the side door of the police station. I'm sorry, but this is weird and I don't know anything. How is this weird? Doesn't it seem convenient, all the people telling you where I am and then there I am? If I was a part of some grand disappearance, shouldn't I be more careful about it? Shut up. I need this conversation recorded and not told to me out here in the parking lot. Nikolai roughly yanked Jasper towards the door. They entered into an office area with a desk and the sergeant was guard at the desk. There was no one else in this area and thus Nikolai came in dragging Jasper and drew the attention of the sergeant. What have you got today, Nikolai? Questioning case. Not under arrest. Wait, if I'm not under arrest, then let me go. I'm leaving. This only caused the sergeant and Nikolai to glare at him as they continued dragging him towards another door that, without a doubt, led deeper into the station, though Jasper wondered if he could change that, since, after all, wasn't this supposed to be a dream? They stepped across into the next room and found an office. To Jasper, this looked like it could be a cop office or any other office, since he didn't spend much time in such places. He looked over at Nikolai, who was looking ahead like nothing was different, but apparently he hadn't noticed that he'd lost his dress jacket and holster along with the gun. 
Now, either the man had taken them off between walking through the door and dropped them off at the sergeant's desk, or he did have some control over this madhouse dream, just not as much as he hoped. They, however, continued towards the back of this office space, with Jasper desperately trying to think of somewhere else to be other than a police station. His imagination let him down as he entered an interrogation room and found himself sitting down at a small table across from Nikolai, who had found a recorder and was starting it up. This is Detective Nikolai of the Stone Deep Police Department, working in coordination with the Colchester Police Department about a missing people case on Hewitt Island. Sitting across from me voluntarily is Jasper Hughes, male, in his mid-twenties. Jasper raised his eyebrows at this. Not voluntarily, thank you very much, and I know nothing about what's going on. There, we're done, right? I can go. What's your relation to the abandoned mental hospital on Hewitt Island, sir? Jasper shook his head. I worked there. It's been closed for 20 years, sir. Do you want to try and tell me a more believable lie? I'm telling you the truth. I could tell you other things, but any story I tell winds up with me probably in a mental hospital and on a table for a lobotomy. So no, I don't have any more believable lies for you. And what is your connection to Degar Port? Met him once, very briefly, when he put a knife to my throat. And then he, well, he, uh, yes, sir, robbed me, I guess. The most astute and well-loved man in the area robbed you with a knife. Jasper shrugged and frowned. It didn't sound very good, but, well, how was he to know that the man was respected here? A knock on the door, and then the door opening revealed the sergeant from before who poked in. Um, there is a Miss Locke at the front door wanting to see you, sir. Nikolai turned, confused, and raised an eyebrow. Me? Uh, both of you, I believe, sir. Nikolai turned to face Jasper, who shrugged and stood up. Don't ask me why she's here. I didn't even know where I was until you said the name of this town. Plus, I haven't had time to call anyone, so, or her, so... You know her, sir. I may, yes, Mr. Detective Nikolai. Cannot be totally sure, though. Jasper had already moved towards the door and was almost out of it when Nikolai finally sprang to his feet. The three had made their way to the front desk of the police station, a much nicer place than the back desk had been as it was made of marble and not a single thing about it was unclean. They came to a stop and stared. There was no one else there. Sergeant, you said there was a woman here who wanted to talk. Uh, well, yes. Uh, one of the patrol boys came by and said that, that there was a striking woman out front demanding to talk to a detective in charge of the mental hospital investigation. That or the man she holds responsible, a Jasper Hughes, I believe. They looked around once again, but there was still nobody about. The sergeant began moving towards the front doors. Uh, maybe she went outside, sir. Jasper followed the sergeant, just to see if there was anything going on. Plus, being outside was infinitely better than being interrogated inside of a police station, so there was that. The trio stepped out into the morning sun, which was happily warming the area up, but not by much. The street in front of this station 
was not busy, but still had some morning traffic as it was a main street and businesses were opening up for the day of work. There, however, was no sign of Miss Luck. The detective glared at the sergeant, who could only offer a sorry shrug as they turned to head back in. Jasper, on the other hand, attempted to walk away, only to find his arm being grabbed as he was yanked off the stairs and towards a side alley. The only thought going through his mind was that he really needed to keep a better watch for what was at his sides so that he wouldn't be yanked around anymore. He didn't make it to the alleyway, instead being pulled towards the street. Worse was that he was staring behind him at Nikolai, who'd promptly come charging after him. He turned to see Miss Locke hurrying him along the sidewalk and down the street. The whole thing was a bit much and a farcical in nature, but he figured that this was the way of dreams. They didn't really have to make much sense. And worse, though, it only took Nikolai a minute to catch up to them, with his panting breath growing ever closer. Stop at once! I'm a police officer of the law, and I demand that this stops. To this, Johanna let Jasper go, but continued on her way running. Jasper came to a stop, which caused Nikolai to bump into him and send them both to the ground. After a few seconds, Jasper managed to get up, and Nikolai was following him up. Jasper Hughes, you are now under arrest for evading and running away from a police officer. Jasper turned, stared at the man who was now fully on his feet, and decked him, then turned to look at where Miss Locke had gone off to. Unfortunately, she had vanished just as quickly as she'd come back into his life. He carefully studied the road around everything as Nikolai screamed in the background. His mind refused to take much notice of this as he began walking away. Having wandered down the main street a bit, Jasper came across a bookshop. It was a little one, but it seemed like a place a psychiatrist might go or run to. And maybe Johanna kind of seemed like a place Johanna might visit. Maybe, just maybe. He entered the smell of mussiness of old books and old wood and just an ill-kept place. There were old and new books left on the shelves for too long, and they had now permeated with this smell. He stepped further in, looking around the cluttered place that seemed to have books everywhere and ones that threatened to take out one's ankles if you weren't careful. Of course, he was careful, but still, he ran into one or two on his walk down the end of this row of shelves that went straight down the store. The loud yelps of Nikolai were behind him somewhere, but Jasper paid them no mind as he found himself at the back of the store finally. A sign here read, Curious Books of the Unknown. Step in if you believe in yourself. He didn't believe in himself, not one bit, which it didn't matter as he stepped across this doorway landing that led to another area. Here, the smell of mustiness grew even stronger, and there was an old man on a podium of some sort, reading a book as he presented himself just standing there. Jasper took a minute to adjust, and then look about where he was. This place was much like the room he'd just come from. Long rows of shelves, and books on tops of books everywhere. Excuse me, young man, are you looking for something? Perhaps something you need to believe in? 
Jasper jumped slightly, surprised that something had managed to get his mind, and to get into his mind, and thoughts, which had been very thick lately. He looked over at the old man who had slapped his book shut and put it to the side, and was now staring over at him with his teeny tiny glasses that were perched on his nose, and directly stared at him. Uh, yes, well, not a book, but I, I thought a, a woman I knew came in here, or potentially did, uh, Miss Johanna Locke, if you know her. I see. Follow me. The old man unsteadily got off of the podium and picked up his book so that he could put it on a nearby shelf. Jasper hurriedly followed his hand, which the man took, and then they slowly shuffled down the long row of shelves. They would reach the back of this section of the store and stop. All that was in front of them was a sign with the emergency exit glowing above it. Jasper looked at the old man who crossed his arms and looked displeased that he hadn't gotten a hint. Jasper stepped forward and through the emergency exit. He found himself outside and was greeted once again by the noise of the ever-angry Nikolai behind him. You punched me! This stopped as a car came hurtling into the alleyway and screeched to a stop with a person standing on the brakes before it crashed into the back of the store. Jasper had hurried off to the left to avoid being hit by this car while Nikolai had taken to the right side of the alley. The vehicle came to rest between them as Degar Port poked his head out of the driver's side of the door. Oh good, I needed you two. Get in the car now, please. Will this take me out of this hellish dreamscape, or are you just going to put a knife to my throat again? Degar looked at him uncomfortably, as he had to crane his neck to see Jasper. He seemed rather off-put and puzzled by the question. I've never held a knife to anyone's throat in my life, and I don't know why you would accuse me of that, but apparently that's something you do to make yourself feel better, perhaps. I don't know. But if you would now, please, get in. Jasper went over to the vehicle and watched as Nikolai mirrored his actions, leading to both of them getting into the back seat. Much like how the car had pulled up, the guard kept his foot on the gas pedal hard. They zipped backwards and then traveled through this little town. Mr. Hughes. Jasper looked over at Nikolai, confused. Huh? Why did you run away from the police station? I was led away by Miss Locke, I believe. Nikolai gave him a strange look, which told him that things might not have been as they appeared, to him at least. The car came to a sudden stop and then swerved its way in of a driveway. After a minute of untangling himself from the back of the car, Jasper stepped out a little awkwardly to freedom. He stretched his legs and looked over the grand, dark building that might house a house or some business, but that it didn't matter as he watched as Betsy Harnock appeared on the porch with Miss Locke. They both looked down at him, then to the other two who were slowly joining Jasper on the lawn of this house. They, too, fell under the hard gaze of the two ladies, who seemed like they had made that their life's work. What do you say, Miss Locke? Should we see this rabble? Yes, I think we shall. They look ragged and entertaining, 
Please, come in at once. The ladies turned and headed back inside while the three men slowly clambered their way up the steep steps of this porch and into the house itself. They were led into a fancy room that was glitzy and had much glamour to its colourful wallpaper. Jasper had no doubt that during the night, when the chandelier or two, or candles, were lit, the room would simply shine around, with the two grand pianos that faced off against one another being the centerpieces. Betsy, Miss Hardnock, went over to the black piano on the right and pulled out the stool on it to sit down. Miss Locke took the one on the left, which had a more chestnut-like color. The three chairs sitting out in front of these pianos were obviously for them, so Jasper decided to go over to one and sit down. The two women began playing Heart and Soul, which threw the entirety of the atmosphere out of the stretched windows that let them look at the lake beyond. Once the song was finished, though, they turned to their guest and received a polite, if very confused, applause. Now, I was told there might be a way for me to get out of here. Mr. Hughes, escape is not possible. You should accept that you are part of this now. Um, but, um, um, I'm, I'm not, uh, well, I am trying to escape, but I, 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 I think you misunderstand me. This is a dream and there's a way to get out. Betsy stood up and wandered over towards the seated gentleman. This is a dream. I was sent through I was sent through my dreams to find a way to bring together a world that Holly Spruce has fallen into uh, with the real world, maybe. Or I've been dropped into some other world in the meantime that I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here but escape. It's a nightmare. So if um someone truly could please, pretty please Show me a way home. You're right. If you had told me that back at the station, I'd have called the nearest mental hospital, or just the nearest hospital ambulance, to come pick you up and take you away, Mr. Hughes. And what makes you think that we will help you? Jasper merely stood up and looked over at both of them before pointing towards Betsy. You claim to be the mayor of Holly Spruce. She smiled at this and, and then signaled for Johanna to get up, which she did, and then Johanna made a follow-me motion with her hands and began to walk out of the room. Jasper, of course, followed them. Where where he's going, I'm go- Nikolai's words were cut off by a trap door that had opened up under his feet and made him vanish. Jasper only took the briefest of looks backwards to see the, the trap door swinging shut. He found himself moving down a hallway, following the two women, who made no sound as they walked. An odd thing to hear, because he was being left with his own loud footsteps slapping on the ground as he went. The hallway itself seemed to go on and on until they arrived at a door, which Johanna opened and they all went into. They entered an empty room, and Jasper looked about the space. It was cold and drafty, with all of the windows looking out over the backside of the property and onto the lake. He looked at the two women who stood back and stayed near the door. A flash of light sliced through the room, and he found himself looking out towards the lake. 
The hospital and the island are out there, aren't they? Yes, very good, Mr. Hughes. Very good indeed. You'll need to go there to get out, I believe. Jasper turned to see that Betsy was already at the door. But Miss Locke had stayed just at her spot. Miss Locke, what are you doing? Johanna just gave her associate a look, which, told, which caused Betsy to hold up her hands and disappear from view. If you don't mind, Mr. Hughes, Mr. Jasper, I want to come with you to this hospital. You're giving me a choice. How kind. How are we to get there, though? Yes, there isn't much of a choice in the matter. I was going to go with you or without your permission. And we will get there by boat. There is a boat house down in the backyard, if you didn't notice. He looked over and saw that there was one, and he shouldn't have missed it, and felt that it might not have been there a few seconds ago. He followed her from the room to the outside of the house, and on to the backyard with nary a word crossing between them. It was a bit discerning, since in real life she seemed to want to talk to him, and here, here there was nothing. There was no conversation to be had. Um, Miss Locke, d uh, do you know me? Uh, please call me Johanna. And why do you ask? Because I know you in real life, and you're just different here, and I just... I'm trying to get a feel for everything. Am I? Well, isn't that the case of passing through the mirror? This world is not like yours. She arrived at the boathouse, and then, with an unusual flurry, threw the doors open to it. He found himself seated on a boat, as she did all of the necessary actions to get it ready to sail, including throwing open the doors to let the boat out onto the lake. A tough process, since for some reason they were manual and had to be pushed out by hand. He'd offered to help, but she refused his offer, or didn't bother to hear him, and pointed over towards the seat of the boat. So he sat there, and watched her as she did all of the work. After a while, they were zipping their way across the lake in a speedboat, the choppy air cold and forcing Jasper to huddle downward, even though Miss Locke seemed entirely unaffected by this weather. The glass, calm water didn't even seem to have much trouble with the wake coming off of the boat as it then almost disappeared as quickly as it was made. It was also the only thing he could look at, because if he looked forward, there would be a far too stiff whip of air that would slap him in his face with its coldness. He settled in as the afternoon sun began its journey downward, and they raced across the lake. The trip, though long, seemed to pass in a flash, as the boat soon tapped its way into a run-down dock. This time, though, Johanna let him do some work, as he clambered off the boat and tied it down by putting a looped rope over a pole. He was left wondering if this was really enough, since sailors usually seem to have some fancy knots. But as soon as she joined him on the dock, she did exactly that with another rope. It's quite a trip across the island, and since it's so late already, why don't we call it a day? There is a nearby house that people used to use to camp out at. We can walk through the night. Thank you. She shrugged and began walking. The two trudged along the path of the road, maybe, if it once was one, 
with only the moonlight to help them along the beaten road. It was definitely a road that hadn't seen much activity in years. Jasper was cursing himself for forgetting how long it took in a car to get anywhere on this island. The quiet walk, however, made for a nice change from the mayhem of going a million places at once on a path that seemed to be stringing him along. They managed to get to the haphazard town that was a shambling group of structures that remained slightly standing, most of which didn't seem to be holding up all that well, and Johanna came to a stop and plopped down next to what was probably once a sidewalk. Jasper followed suit next to her, thankful as his legs were screaming out, tired and hurting. Can we stop here for the night? Please. Yes, fine. As soon as we can get some energy back, we will find some place with some cover over it and call it a campsite. They both, however, laid down on their backs to relax. Sleep, of course, soon overtook their exhaustion. The sound of rain drizzling about him awoke Jasper, and he leaped up in fear of getting wet. He found himself only slightly wet, and that was because of a leak above him from a roof. This, he figured, was not supposed to be there, but then again, then again, maybe it was supposed to be there. He looked about, trying to figure out where he was. As Johanna walked into the building, two beaten but serviceable-looking umbrellas in her hands. She held one out for him, which he slowly took, and then accidentally popped open with a creaky poof that made him jump. I moved us here last night when I woke from the rain. I hope you don't mind, and since you probably don't, we should get going. It is morning. She too opened her umbrella and then stepped outside. The rain continued to pour down on them as they walked the mostly washed away road. A few pieces of pavement here and there that remained, pointing the way forward. The trudge of a walk was in silence, as Johanna seemed to glide over it all, and talking would interrupt all of that. Instead, Jasper found himself looking at the dark surroundings, the woods that were all lifeless and dead, despite the fact that everything should be alive and well, as it felt like spring. It was at least late spring. He judged that from his trip from his old house to the police station and then here, though he also admitted to himself that's what he wanted to believe, since it all went by in such a horrid flash, and who knew what it really was? Still, he dreamed that it was spring, and so it must be, right? It took them some time to get to the hospital entrance gate, which was a rusted hulk of metal. It was also chained shut, and didn't look like it wanted to move one inch. Despite this, Johanna went over and pushed on it for a bit. Shouldn't we just find another way around? The gate used to open. I guess too many people were coming in and exploring. So yes, let's find a new route. They crawled across the thicket of woods that had grown heavily near the stone fence that was at least seven feet high and broke the land between the woods and the mental hospital. It took a bit of clambering through leaves and thick tree trunk roots that had come out of the ground to get anywhere. He did his best to get up and over them and to help Johanna do the same, all while keeping an eye on the wall for a break or something that would let them through. There's... There. There's our point. She'd stopped on a tree root and was pointing towards a spot 
five feet up where a branch had grown near a spot in the fence that had toppled over, making it six feet high, but not really within Jasper's grasp. He looked it over, and he couldn't help but the whole thing looked convenient, easy, simple. There was something going on in his mind. Johanna, on the other hand, hadn't waited around, and was clambering up the tree, then out onto this thin branch, jumping the last few feet as it snapped under her. She was soon gone from sight, leaving him standing there looking at what was left of the branch that would not support his weight. Uh, Johanna, if you could be so kind, maybe climb back up the wall and help me out? I can't. There's nothing on the side that will help me get back up. Well, I can't get across without seriously hurting myself. Then find another spot, you idiot. He sighed and began walking again. His trek left him wandering through the woods until he came to a pathway, a rather well-kept looking one, which was odd since everything else was so ill-kept here. He looked around, but aside from the path, nothing looked off, and he decided, well, what the hell, and began following it while whistling to himself to keep his spirits up and help expect the unexpected. The path came to an abrupt end next to the wall at the side of a gatehouse. Here, the gate was not chained together, and was wide open. Jasper stepped up, expecting Johanna Locke to pop up on the other side, but she was nowhere to be seen, and, and he, having stepped through the gate, looked around to see if she was there, wandering about in open, grassy grounds that faced the hospital. There was still no sign of her in the knee-high grass, and a few trees provided a clear sightline that led up to the first few brick buildings. Since she was nowhere in sight, he glanced behind him and went back across the gate to see if she was there. Still no sign. He cursed himself under his breath at being distracted by this. The only thing that mattered was getting out of here, and that had not yet been a challenge. So what lie ahead? With that in his mind, he made his way towards this the building closest to him. The door to this first building protested being opened, and he had a lot of pushing to do to get in. When it finally did give way, he stepped into a grand entrance, or what had once been a grand entrance. The place was faded in color and had holes in several walls, both to the exterior and further interior, but it was also familiar-looking his mind placing it as the office building where Mr. Locke's office ought to be. But he did not wait around here as he began marching past the entranceway and past this grandness of it, plus all of the trash furniture that seemed to go with abandoned buildings, and searched for a staircase to lead him somewhere else. He found himself wandering down a hallway that had more dirt than tile, and even a few plants growing about the place. He wondered how long this place had been like this, since it was in such a bad state. Where still, Johanna had not yet popped up again, and he was starting to think that she was up to something. Johanna, Johanna, are you in here somewhere? Jasper, I'm upstairs. He ref reflectively glanced upward when he heard this. Then he saw a bit of a hole in the ceiling. And it was big, it wasn't terribly big, but it was big enough for her head to be seen through. And Johanna then appeared, 
She waved and then was gone again. He set off again looking for this staircase. They get him upstairs and found one after opening quite a few doors to find it. Getting up to the second floor, he found that Johanna was standing by the staircase door waiting for him. She looked him over curiously as he carefully stepped into the hallway. The weight of the floor seemed off and ready to go plummeting back down to the first floor. Where did you disappear to off, by the way, Miss Luck? Oh, I just figured you'd find your way, and I'd better get started on searching for this exit that you're so intent on. I found something cool, though. She pointed off down the hallway, but I was already walking in that direction. She led him to a large office door, which, which she pushed open, and they both went inside. Jasper stopped in the doorway, staring at the large office space. It was a stupidly large office space that had a rug that stretched continuously from end to end, but it all seemed to focus on the center of the room. He stepped inward to get a better feel for the place that was clearly missing a desk, and many, many books that should have lined the shelves on bookshelves. Your father's office. What's so great about this place? Father's office? What are you talking about? I'm an orphan, Mr. Hughes. He looked over her and her plain expression, or said he didn't have the faintest idea of what he was talking about. Now, this either meant that he figured she was a great actress, or that this was the truth of this weird world. Sadly, there wasn't perhaps the time to find out. Okay, um, fine. What's so great about this place? There has to be a secret passage somewhere in here. You can't have a big office and not have one. It goes against all reasonings. Help me look for one. It will probably lead us to whatever this exit is. I'm sure it will. He looked about the empty space as Johanna wandered away towards the wall on the far side. His mind was reeling at the thought of finding a secret passage. It would be way too obvious, and everyone would know to look for one. Plus, the space was empty, aside from bookshelves and a fireplace. To prove to his mind that he was right, he marched over to the fireplace, which was located on the right side of the building. It was a fancy carved marble thing with angels and scenes of what looked like some sort of holy book. He grabbed one of the angels and pulled it. Nothing happened. So he pulled at it again, and zilch still happened. Satisfied that he was right, he stood right dab in the middle of the fireplace with a smirk. Then it decided to rotate and took it with him as he found the ground quickly circling around. The floor stopped spinning for the merest of seconds, and he could only turn to see a rather faint light off in the distance before the fireplace was moving again. After a second, he found himself staring at Johanna in the face. She was very excited. See, I told you, there were secrets. He stepped away from the fireplace, confused and lost as she went into full-on search mode trying to get the fireplace to spin again. Jasper sat down to watch and collect his thoughts. After a half hour of Johanna giving it a go, she gave up as nothing seemed to be happening. Jasper grew bored and was of watching her try and the same thing over and over again and headed to the door to find something else to go look at, potentially towards that light. Outside in the hallway, he looked to his left, as he was sure that that was where the secret room was located, began heading that way. He ran his hands along the wooden wall, 
mostly because the idea of the secret entrance was now firmly stuck in his mind. And, well, who doesn't like a secret entrance? Though the only thing he would find was another door, which he opened dutifully and went inside. The room was dark with no windows that Jasper could make out, or it was just that it was turning to night, a thought that did not give him much hope. Still, for some reason, he groped along the wall trying to find a light switch, though he realized that no power should be in a place like this. When his hand stumbled on exactly that, he flicked the switch upward. A soft light illuminating a set of stairs downwards appeared in front of him, but he couldn't help but shake the feeling that the light looked familiar, like he'd seen it, like at a fireplace, a few minutes ago. He glanced off to the to either side, and just in time to catch the sight of what looked to be a rotating fireplace with a person on it. Was it him? No, it was more feminine. It was probably Johanna. She was soon gone from sight, and the thought struck him that something similar might be happening to him here. So there was something, or someone, down this staircase. A problem soon arose on his trip down the stairs. It was all terribly boring. This staircase seemed to want to go on and on and on, with more than a f more, uh, more of them popping up every few steps he took. To this, Jasper decided there was only one solution. As he sat down, he crossed the steps as best he could and moved to lay out. Alright then, just a gentle push and... Off he went, rolling down the stairs. The rolling went on for a little while until it came to a crashing halt at the landing of the staircase. Jasper lay on the ground, his eyes closed. He stayed there until he was sure that the world wasn't going to throw him off of it from the amount of spinning he was doing. And slowly, he managed to get his eyes to open up and then closed them as he decided to see if he could stand. He managed to get himself into a seated position and peeked about around him and found himself facing a door, which was then opened with his uncle Edgar Port on the other side of it. Oh, a customer, please come in. His uncle disappeared from the, from the doorway as Jasper slowly and unsteadily finally got to his feet. Customer? What was this, some kind of shop? What was going on? And why was his uncle here? Walking through the doorway, Jasper found Port standing there patiently looking and waiting for him. There was no sign of recognition between them, as the man who was probably his uncle turned and began walking away. Unsure of what to do at first, Jasper stood there and watched. Walked down a long, narrow hallway that was lit with various lamps of all different shapes and sizes. This place was certainly going to trip with his mind, and it seemed that Port was floating along, not even noticing if he was following or not. Jasper didn't really bother to keep up as he decided to follow, but instead kept looking around to see if there was anything interesting that might catch his attention. Alas, this hallway was not much of a hallway, as it had no doors and it just had those weird odd lamps. The end came in sight as Port walked right through the door at the end of the hallway, as if it wasn't there, and he just phased through it. Jasper came to a stop not surprised, but completely and utterly surprised. The door had no knob, and of course the man had just gone through it as if it was no big deal. 
How the fuck am I supposed to get through that? To answer him, the door popped open and swung fully open. His journey finally at an end, Jasper walked into the odd office filled with speakers and science equipment, plus plenty of computers that were all beeping away while printing out reach-out sheets and reams of paper. I see, a mad scientist lab lair. He said it half-jokingly, and found what looked to be a chair, and sat down on it as there was nothing else on it. He sat and waited for something to happen, or for someone to show up. Neither of these things were happening, and all the beeping was starting to be a bit mental, when the, Ford, when the door finally opened, and Port wheeled in a man on a trolley. Well, most of a man. Well, not exactly a man on a trolley, as most of the man wasn't there. It was just a head in a jar of blue liquid that obscured his face. Jasper shot up from his seat upon seeing this, this thing. What's that? This is the head of Hewitt Tyler. I wish to know what business you've come to him on. The man who, um, uh, uh, the man who used to own the island wants to know what I'm doing here. Well, that sounds right and wrong. Anyway, I'm searching for a mirror so that I can return home. The pod that contained the head, which had a computer base and wires stinking every which way, bubbled at him. Port looked down, as if he was listening to the head say something. Jasper peered hard at the jar, and was sure that the head was just a skull, and that the whole thing was a sham, when it leaned a bit forward. It most certainly wasn't a skull, but mostly preserved face, and it had working eyes. It looked very unhappy with its bits of peeling skin here and there. He says that the mirror is behind you, sir. Jasper did not turn around, and looked over towards Port, who had reached under a trolley and pulled out a rather large, menacing-looking knife that was both girthy and long. I suppose that you want to kill me? No, sir, but according to the good doctor here, this is the only way home that he knows of. Goodbye. Port, with some unusual deafness that Jasper was not used to, flung the blade at him. He could only watch and stare as it came closer and closer. End of part five. Thank you for listening.